Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered, Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa Curry-Lowitz, and I'm here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud podcast. My name is Elisa curry Oh, today it is, what day is it? It is, <laughs> it's one of those days, I guess. Today it is Wednesday, April the 28th. This is the last podcast for the month of April, and it's a beautiful one. I have a beautiful, lovely conversation with a very special guest, and we're going to get into that in just a minute because you have got to hear what I'm about to say next. If you are listening on April the 28th, so the day that this episode was released, then you have only three days left to get on the Elisa Unfiltered Inner Circle waitlist. So why would you want to do that? This is your opportunity to experience life coaching at the next level. The Elisa Unfiltered Inner Circle is an annual online membership for all things health and wellness, and it's designed to get you free from the mental, emotional, and physical weight you are carrying. Oh, freedom of the mind, freedom in your body. Doesn't that sound amazing? So what does this mean? It means that you will be working with me one-on-one for the next year so that you can break out of the funk, lose the weight, set healthy boundaries, and show up for yourself every day in ways that you can only dream of, that you have only dreamed of and wished for and hoped for. So inside the inner circle, you will find my six-part signature program. This resource alone has everything you need so you can learn intuitive self-awareness, unlearn the beliefs that are holding you back, because that's right, those are beliefs, and start to shift your body and mind from a place of love and compassion. But of course, you will have me with you step-by-step to clarify, hold you accountable, help motivate you, and of course, share some deep belly laughs, because that is a thing, and I love celebrating wins and gains, okay? So you will also have the Vow 21 Days of Self-Care, which is a three-week self-care reboot, so you can find exactly what type of self-care satiates you and fills your soul. In addition, each month, I will be adding new meditations from yoga experts, so you can continue to build upon your practice with some new styles and techniques. There are recipes. Recipes! This is like my most exciting thing because I've been experimenting with so much food. I'm adding new recipes monthly so you can have fun in the kitchen, experiment, and have healthy new options to enjoy. Plus, there's movement challenges. Fitness and exercise doesn't have to be a grind all the time and just like, ugh. So there are movement challenges that help you try new things and find new movement that you love. It's so important that you tap into play and move and exercise in ways that fill your soul. But that's not all. You will also get free unlimited Voxer support from me. Voxer is like a walkie-talkie app. So we will send voice notes back and forth, which means anytime you need an extra kick in the butt, a shoulder to cry on, or a friend to celebrate with you, 
I will be there. There's a ton of support inside the Facebook group as well. So when you join the Elisa Unfiltered Inner Circle, I can guarantee that your physical, mental, and emotional shifts will be big. I can guarantee this. This is the ultimate wellness journey. I promise you that. It's mapped out for you with personalized, achievable results. It doesn't get any better. So get on the wait list for the added bonus of 30% off. Do that right now. The link is in the show notes. Enrollment opens May the 1st. I hope to see you inside. On for today's show. So fabulous. Oh my gosh, we get into so many incredible discussions on some of my favorite, favorite topics. Today, my guest is Ashley Ray. Ashley is the founder and CEO of Mala Collective. Have you ever heard of that company before? They're incredible. The company works with artisans in Asia, from Bali to India to Nepal, to create products supporting a mindfulness and meditation practice. All right, you've all heard of Mala Beads before, correct? Crystal kits, meditation cushions, They merge tradition and modern day aesthetics. So since starting Mala Collective in 2011, Ashley has taught meditation across North America. She's taken meditation training from Los Angeles to New York, to India, to Bali, and has worked to make meditation and mindfulness more accessible and fun, right? Oh my gosh, we're going to get into it. I cannot wait for you to hear some of the aha moments that we both have and really deep dive into what's happening inside of us, what's happening inside our brains and how we can come back into alignment with ourselves. It's a beautiful interview. Let's get to it. Here is Ashley Ray. All right. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful. I am actually looking at you on Zoom here and I know you're in Vancouver and I'm so jealous. I have this like ting and I must say by the time this episode airs, I will be like days away we like of going of going to fly across the country. I'm so excited. How 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 is Vancouver? Tell me a little bit about it. Well, today it's sunshiny and beautiful and the ocean is there and mm. um I'm, I'm very grateful and we shall welcome you with open arms upon your arrival. <laughs> yes, I will take you up on that having a drink offer that you gave me off air. <laughs> yeah. All right. Of course, so of course. it's really interesting how you have come into my circle. We have a lot of mutual friends, I think, on Instagram or people know it's like seven degrees of separation. So I don't know you personally. This is the first time we've actually chatted face to face. But your story, it really resonates with me. And I love everything you stand for. And I would love for you to share a little bit about that story. Um, I kind of want to start this episode by going back to 2011, where you had a transformation of going from journalist to entrepreneur. Can you walk me through that a little bit? Yeah, and thank you. That was very sweet. Um, That was a really kind intro. I, so 2011, holy cannoli, I can't believe how, 10 years ago, I know. that wild? Yeah, wild. Um, I mean, sometimes I, I imagine if I had a 10, a 10-year-old child, like how tall that child would be, and mm-hmm. just the extent of things that happened in that time. Um, so 10 years ago, I, I was a journalist, as you mentioned, I was covering murder trials, so it was a very, very different version of reality than I have now, mm-hmm. and my partner and I at the time hit this core life crisis, went to Bali 
fell in love with these mala beads. Mala beads, if you don't know, are a string of beads that you can use in a meditation practice. So you turn through your fingers to count your breaths. And there's also different gemstones that have different intentions. So we fell in love with that. We fell in love with this mindful jewelry. How cool is that? And we kept going back and buying it for our friends and family. And we were flying from Bali to Thailand. A woman came up to us on the plane and said, I love your aura. Can I sit and talk to you? And she ends up being the woman that made those very mala beads that we had purchased. No way. So it was the most serendipitous, beautiful collision of lives and energy and pathways. And um, she told us the story that her guru said, you need to get, we need to get these beads to the West and gave her this duty in her life to get these beads to the West because the more people that wear them, the more the world will be at peace and the West needs peace the most. And, you know, my partner and I were like, yeah, yeah, we dig peace. We're from the West. We'll help you. (laughs) That's that's how I became an entrepreneur (laughs) In, in this goal of helping this woman on her journey of spreading peace. And, you know, I'll, I'll say a few things from that story. A lot of people, you know, I had one person reach out and say, I wish, I wish something would fall into my lap, like it fell into yours. And I know what that means. I, I get it. That it's mm-hmm. not meant to be a hurtful comment. Uh, but what I would say is that so much serendipity and synchronicity exists in the world if we are open to it. Mm-hmm. So all of us can have those experiences. All of us can meet someone that can change our life and we can change theirs if we are open to it. But oftentimes it's the whole, it's too good to be true mindset. And, mm. you know, we're not in this place of trust. We're not in this place of letting go and in surrendering. And I think when I look back now, I never could have manifested or envisioned this. I never could have set goals to one day be an entrepreneur. I didn't know any entrepreneurs in my life. Mm-hmm. The, the amount of people that told me I was crazy for what I was doing was exponential. Almost every person was like, you're, you're quitting your career because you met a hippie on a plane. It's like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I can figure it out. I believe I am my own backup plan. I can figure it out. If it all falls apart, what's the worst that's going to happen? I can figure it out because I figured it out, out to this point. Uh, so I think, you know, it is a very sexy, beautiful, magical, mystical story and followed by 10 years of hustle, which is also beautiful, magical, <laughs> mystical, but a lot of hustle. <laughs> Absolutely. Being an entrepreneur. Wow. And a solopreneur or is it you with your husband or it's, it probably is very similar to solopreneur. Yeah. My partner and I started it together and I've run the business and we parted ways like five years ago. And so it was interesting. He wanted to start the business and I, I didn't really understand entrepreneurship and we started it. He's like, Oh, you're really good at this. Can you do it? I was like, I guess so. So I, I took this <laughs> on and there was so much shame and self-doubt that I carried because I was like, who am I to do this? I'm not good enough to do this. I'm a journalist. I cover murder. I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't figure this stuff out. And, and so I used, you know, that curiosity from journalism to start asking people about meditation and writing about meditation. So it was, I approached it with a journalistic, um, curiosity, I suppose, but really in the back of my head, there was this voice of like, you don't have an MBA. Who are you to run this yes. business? Yes, of How course. dare you run this business? You don't know anything about spirituality. You don't know anything. And so I do find a lot of entrepreneurs, like now I actually coach uh, men and women in business around overcoming that self-doubt yes. because it is so universal and we all carry it, but we don't often verbalize it because it, it's such a lonely experience. So, you know, that solopreneur journey was just filled with doubt and Mm -hmm. lack of feeling enough. Um, And I wouldn't say I've purely solved it now, but 
I've, I've shifted and grown through it for sure. Okay. So you kind of glazed over this, but you said you were in a quarter life crisis. Now I, I need, I want to dive, unpack that a little bit because oftentimes, and I'm sure you've experienced this with your clients that you work with. I certainly have with the clients I work with is how, and, and in my own personal experience, there's almost this rock bottom feeling before we're able to be open. Cause you said, you mentioned you need to be open to the idea. And I mean, were you open a year before that? Or was it that, was it a progression? Was everything sort of building to a a crisis mode for you to start birthing a new vision of your life? That's a great question. I love how you phrased that. One, I'm going to approach the openness first because that, that was a really beautiful way to phrase that. Was I open when I met this woman on the plane? At this point, we've been traveling for six months and my perspective had shifted so much. And I think I was open to the unknown because I had been living in the unknown. Ooh, yes. And I really embraced that. Mm-hmm. And I, I really loved that. And it was so curious and beautiful and fluid what have I embraced it week one of the trip? I don't know. Probably not. Mm-hmm. You know, I was probably, you know how it takes like mm-hmm. a few days to get into holiday mode when you're on a holiday. Yeah, of course. I think at that point I was so relaxed and surrendered and free flowing and open that maybe that's what attracted it. I, I don't know, but I definitely was more open than I had been a year before. Yeah. Um, and to get to that point of quarter life crisis, you know, I don't think it actually was a rock bottom. It was, what else can I achieve here? It was almost the opposite of rock bottom. It was, I won a national award, which, which was my goal. And I was 24 and I was in this newsroom of people that I adored, but had, when I looked around, I was like, I don't want any of your jobs. I love all of you, but I don't want, I don't want what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And, and now what I hustled my, my life dream was to be a journalist since I was, you know, an elementary school, a little kid and, and achieving it. And hitting this peak, and I, I don't say that with ego of, you know, I peaked and I couldn't grow. I could have kept growing. I could have kept learning. There's other awards. There's other experiences, other discoveries. But I reached this point of like, well, now what? Where do I go mm. now? And mm. and that made me question my why and my purpose and understand what am I meant to be doing? And there must be more than this. There must be more because if I worked my whole life and reached at 24, like, what, what, what am I missing? I'm missing mm-hmm. something. And so it was this, this knowing that I was missing something, but I didn't know what it was. And now when I look back on it, I think that I was missing a purpose and a why that was really, you know, so much bigger than me. And even now running Mala for 10 years, I would say I'm going through another evolution of that in this past year of stepping further into purpose. And the way I would describe it is I've known on my meditations or in my breathwork sessions or in journaling, like there's this thing that I meant to be doing. And I feel pulled by it, but I'm kind of ignoring it. Cause I'm like, no, it's fine. The status quo is fine. The status quo is fine. What I'm doing is great, mm. but it keeps coming up and getting louder and louder and louder to the point where the visions were happening every night. My dreams, these voices were coming to me, which can actually be incredibly scary and isolating that this purpose was like, Hey, if you're not going to pay attention to me, I'm just going to keep showing up more and more. Yeah. So I think that this evolution of being, drawn by purpose and led by something bigger can manifest in so many ways. So I think it's, 
I'm grateful that it wasn't a rock bottom, but I've definitely hit a few rock bottoms emotionally <laughs> and personally and in self-identity in business. Um, mm. But luckily that transformation was led by, you know, curiosity and uh, wonder and discovery. So what does curiosity feel like to you? I want to, I'm, I'm, I want to sort of add to this because that term to me, it resonates with me for sure. I feel curious about my life, but I don't even like when I, when I have been in the most difficult situations, I don't even know what questions to ask and where to look or how to begin. So is the curiosity when we, and I give this advice also to be curious, I want to know what it means to you. Where do, where do we begin? Mm -hmm. Well, so what's immediately coming up for me is when I was a journalist, I would always joke, I get paid to be really nosy and I am really nosy. (laughs) So it was this inherent gift that I had growing up of, you know, it's like, why, 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 why? Oh, I continued that. Okay. Uh, And I still continue that. So it's like that childlike curiosity Mm -hmm. and this nosiness, and I, and I know nosiness is a negative connotation, and I'm being a bit facetious there, but I got paid to just ask a whole bunch of questions when mm-hmm. I was a journalist. And the way I would look at it at is, oh, I get to go into this person's life today and, and a different person every single day and ask questions and understand their journey and their purpose and what resonates with them and has made them who they are and then share that story with other people. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. I get to go and discover little worlds that people live in. And I think the more that we peel things away um, and ask more questions, like the more depth that comes out of any situation. So I wouldn't say that there was particular questions I was asking, but I was always wondering like, ooh, I wonder if we could do this. Or I wonder, I wonder if we could do this. Or if I have a vision, I'm like, ooh, I wonder if I could achieve that. And so it became this propelling forward of, I wonder if I can create this. I wonder if I'm capable of this. I wonder if, you know, for example, we launched with Lululemon as their first ever co-branded product across North America. Cool. That was born out of, ooh, I wonder if someone from Lululemon would answer my email today. Ooh, I wonder if someone from Lululemon would do this with me today. I wonder, and it was, it was never, I must fulfill a launch across, you know, a continent. It was, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, and each step propelled a little bit further. And I would say the downside of that is I've definitely been told numerous times in my life, you want too much. You're mm. never going to be happy because you want too much. It's not feminine to want so much. So why can't you just be happy and content with what you have? Mm. So what I noticed in entrepreneurship is this thing that I had that I was told wasn't feminine or kind or compassionate my whole life was actually an incredible asset in entrepreneurship to ask why and to wonder and be curious and push a little bit further, a little bit further. And I notice now the further I step into purpose and service, that why and curiosity, uh, you know, I, I really, I'm friends with it now. I really love it. I think it's, it's probably who I am. I'm not going to fight it anymore. Whereas before I probably used to feel a little bit ashamed of it. Interesting. I love that. So for those people out there that are, are curious or, and they want something more, they're at that stage where they are looking for something else or something more. Did you feel that in, in this experience? You haven't, you, I haven't heard you say that it just kind of evolved 
Did it just evolve or was you feeling like a yearning for change? I always knew that I was meant to do something bigger. And I've heard a lot of people say that. I was like, oh, I don't know what that means. But, you know, maybe more tangible, I'd have visions of me speaking on stage, right? I'd have visions of writing or working with people or leading. And I had visions, you know, I, I was always curious about mindfulness from a young age and India and Indonesia and like all these places mm-hmm. where nobody in my life was curious about these things or talking about them or nor did it ever come up in my life. So there was always something there, deep-seated, and I, and I don't know where that came from. But I always felt I'm meant to be doing something bigger than this. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people have that, like, I don't want to say haunting, but this feeling of, oh, my potential is bigger. And how do I find it? And how do I step into it? Or what is my purpose? And how do I step into my purpose? And whatever language you want to use, I kind of knew it was always there. But that wasn't something that collided with starting this business. The business, you know, I, I wonder now if, if I had to put that pressure on it, that would have been a lot of pressure to put on starting a business. This is my purpose. I must make this succeed. Where it was like, oh, I wonder if I can build a website. Like those were the first <laughs> curiosities. And then I built it and it sucks. So I'm like, I wonder if I can build a better website. And I think I rebuilt three websites in six months because I don't know how to build websites. Yeah, I hear And you. I don't know if like, you know, now it's so easy to do these things like Shopify, for example. But those were like the little curiosities. Whereas if I had to have that purpose, that huge like oh this is your purpose you must step into this and not fail that's way too much pressure so it was always little bit by little bit but always a feeling that there was something more oh that's a great philosophy little bit by little bit very good okay so I am dying to ask you about meditation and your meditation practice this is a um I'm a yoga I'm a yoga teacher I have my 200 hours I've taught um at a couple yoga studios um and However, I have resisted meditation forever. I have a spiritual coach. I worked with her for five years. She was always meditating with me and I had this massive resistance and she always used to tell me that it's because I am afraid of what I might uncover or that there's, there's, I'm suppressing a lot of unexpressed emotion, things like this. And I didn't really give a shit to be honest, what her answer was. Cause I was like, no, 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 it's not for me. That's not who I am. I don't want that. Now that I have had the willingness to invest in quieting the mind and in really paying attention to my thoughts and my beliefs and how I operate from a completely separate place of awareness and, and working on my meditation practice, I cannot, I cannot believe the benefits that I have felt in my life in the, with the people around me, how I've manifested things, how things have just are coming to me now. And I feel so much more in tuned and in tapped with my body and with my truth and with my knowing through meditation. However, I do know, and I speak to so many people that were just like me <laughs> that are like, I can't meditate. I'm too busy. I it's it doesn't work for me. It's not helping. Uh, so I would love to know how you were pulled into the practice. Uh, I think that's such a great story. I I find it so funny. There's two things I get when I tell people I work in meditation, and I've now been through a few teacher trainings. I'm really lucky. I, I take a lot of teacher trainings that's wherever cool. I travel, mainly so I can learn. There's no wrong way to do it. 
So cooking trainings in India, in Nepal, in Bali, in Vancouver, in New York, LA. It's yeah, there's tons of different approaches, but you're not going to screw it up. It's just breathing. Like you're pretty good at it already as a human being. But I get two responses. Ooh, I've tried it and I'm really bad. Mm. Or yeah, I tried it and it was really hard and it just wasn't for me, so I gave up. Or I, I know I should do it, but I just don't have the time. So this like I'm really bad. I tried it once, or I don't have the time. Is kind of the two buckets people fall into. Yeah. And I think it's so curious because we we host a lot of free guided meditations with Mala Collective, like a 21 day series or a seven day series, and we always notice people falling off in like, of course. the first part of it. Like day three or four, we have such an all or nothing mentality that it's like if I don't do it every single day, I'm a failure. So I'm just going to stop. People don't often skip a day and come back. They skip a day and then they spiral into shame and then they never come back, which I find, I don't want to say funny. I find it curious. Well, again, we're curious. I just find it interesting. I'm like, wow, what's going on there? That they, mm-hmm. you know, if they were working out every day and they missed a workout, would they spiral the same way? But there's something about meditation practice that's quite intimidating. And I resonate with that because it, it was very intimidating to me when I started and I think the reason it's intimidating is most people go into meditation thinking they're supposed to have no thoughts or that they're, they need to have a clear mind yes. or that they have to whatever X, Y, Z. I have never met anybody who can sit for 30 minutes with no thoughts for 20 minutes with no thoughts. Like when I started meditating, I was like, I don't have a beard and I can't levitate and I'm not this old wise wizard man. Like this, yeah. this image of meditation to me was so foreign, foreign. And now, I mean, meditation is so cool and hip and everyone talked about the meditation practice. But 10 years ago, it was even, you know, it was quite inaccessible for me in my world. Um, so I would say when I'm talking to people about starting a practice, the, the recommendations I have are start small, start three minutes, five minutes, eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Try to tie it to a routine that you already have. So maybe if it's in the morning and you put your pot of coffee on, just sit down for five minutes and the, the coffee pot becomes the, the trigger of the action that then leads into meditation. Or maybe it's you brush your teeth and then you meditate. Just something that you do every day so you can build a habit or build a routine. I had one of my teachers say to me, once you've meditated every day for 200 days, then you can worry about the technique then you can worry if you're doing it right. Because we're such creatures of wanting perfection. Like, well, I can't start until I know exactly how to sit, exactly how to breathe. I must have the right things. I must have this. No, just sit and do it. It's it's just sitting and it's just breathing. And I, and I mean that lightly. It's obviously yes. deeply uncomfortable. We yeah. don't often sit with our thoughts. And there's a beautiful quote, you know, all of man's problems arise from his inability to sit with his thoughts. Like how... How true. We do anything mm. to stay busy to avoid our thoughts. So being able to sit for three minutes, five minutes, and knowing that the mind is going to wander, that's that's part of it. Mm-hmm. I had one of my teachers describe it to me as, I can't draw this because it's over audio, but I mean, I, I'll try to create a vision here for people. If you picture a bicycle wheel and you imagine the center of the bicycle wheel is the, the little center point, that's your focus in your meditation practice. So that can be your mantra. And a mantra is a sound or a word or a phrase. I really like affirmation-based mantras like, I am love, I am grounded, I am strong. Your maladies, which we make, or your breath. Those three things can be your focus. And your breath is always with you, so it's a beautiful thing to focus on. So that's the center of the bicycle wheel. 
And then you're sitting for maybe 30 seconds and then your mind starts to wander because either you're hungry or your leg fell asleep or there's a dog or whatever. You just don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. So your mind starts to wander. So that's one of the spokes on the wheel. And then it gets out to where the rubber is. And that's when you're like, oh my goodness, I'm not even focusing on the thing I'm supposed to be focusing on. I'm the worst meditator. And that's, that's that moment there when you notice that your mind's wandered. You can choose the A, I'm the worst meditator and shouldn't be doing this. Or B, okay, my mind's wandered. Come back to the focal point. And so that moment of noticing is that moment we get to practice self-compassion. Mm. And then we come back to the focus. And it's going to happen like 200 more times in five minutes. So what would that feel like to choose 200 times of being a little bit kinder to yourself versus 200 times that I'm the worst mm-hmm. and self-judgment? So the point of meditation, I would say, one, is practicing self-compassion. Two is maybe you have 100 thoughts in a five-minute practice. Maybe the next day you have 98. Maybe the next day you have 92. Maybe the next day you have 80. Then maybe it goes up to 120. You know, just finding a little bit more space between those thoughts. And in that space, then we get to hear our higher self, our spirit, our soul, God, the universe, whatever word you want to use. We have those aha moments. Like, you know, when you're driving, you're in the shower. You're like, oh, yeah, I have to do this. Or, oh, yeah, I should try this. Those hits where your intuition lands with you. So I think looking at meditation as... I'm going to practice self-compassion when my mind wanders. I'm going to try and find a little bit more space between my thoughts. I'm not going to judge myself for having them. I'm just going to chill out and get to know myself. Because really, you're just sitting there watching your thoughts and noticing who you are. Mm, Absolutely. I really liked when you said the moment of noticing, oh, I'm out. I'm the worst meditator. Oh, that's an... uh, um, You're now in a judgment mindset that moment of noticing really inevitably gives you some space for choice. I can, I can leave or I can come back in. And it's all this really neatly woven um, practice of choosing consciously. Like, do I want to stay in or do I want to get out? And both ways are fine. Both ways, in, in my opinion, are exactly where you need to be. <laughs> if you're if you're the dropping out, you know, two or three days in, maybe it's not your time. Maybe you're not ready for it. Maybe this isn't where you are supposed to be. Maybe you're not there. I find you use the word commitment. Oh, no, I, I wrote the word commitment when you were talking about how you do these challenges. And I noticed the exact same thing. I have a 21 day challenge myself which is a paid program. It's not free. And I see the same thing, that perfectionism in people where they, they miss something or they find they, they have some adversity. There's some struggle there. It's difficult. So they throw their hands up in the air and say, I can't do this. I'm out. Instead of coming to where you are in that moment and being okay with not knowing, and then just keep moving forward. It's a very interesting thing. And the more you practice that, and I really like that when you, the moment of noticing that you're at the rubber on that wheel and making the decision to come back in, that's the work. That's the practice right there. Yeah. Very cool. I know I find so funny is if, if, you know, we're talking and I'm like, Hey, to one of my friends and they're like, Oh, Ashley, I fell off a meditation practice. I'm like, that's okay jump back on tomorrow we are so much more compassionate and provide so much more space to other people yes than we do to ourselves mm-hmm. whereas if it's to us we're like oh you idiot 
how dare you miss this day for a paid <laughs> challenge? I could never show my face again. And it's this self-judgment and the yeah. self-disgust that we spiral into. And really, if we talk to ourselves like we talk to people that we love, it'd be much kinder and more enjoyable practice. But that's that self-love, self-compassion, self-worth you know, worth and, and really putting that into practice. Much like that moment we hit the rubber of choosing to be kind to yourself. Mm. So well, so well said. So you also mentioned affirmation. Okay. So you, you said you like affirmation focused meditations. Did I hear that correctly? Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the power of affirmation and how you practice this. Yeah, I love that. So I, I'll kind of loop it back to I mentioned I was going through a lot of self-doubt with, with the business in the yes. beginning and really feeling unworthy. And we we're designing collections and I was like, I really want to close when I'm enough. And truly, most of the products that we make are reflections of my what I'm needing and my own journey. So it was this like beautiful playground for me to play and experiment. And this I'm enough mantra really resonated with me. And understanding what does that mean? And that's that's a pretty big statement. Enough enough means a lot of things for a lot of people. So then we started journeying, mm. journeying off into I'm grounded, I'm intuitive, I'm love, like all these things that we are seeking. And we're often seeking them externally. And really they, all those qualities live within us already. And what I love about using affirmation-based mantras and meditation is I'll sit down, take a few breaths, and I'll ask myself, what do I need today? Mm. And oftentimes on like a Monday Maybe I want to feel supported and capable and abundant. Like I'm heading into the work week. So my mantras will often be, I'm supported, I'm capable, I'm abundant. And calling those things forward that I already have within me, instead of thinking, hey, universe, can you give me those? Like I have them already. This is my reminder that I have them already. And affirmations scientifically are proven to rewire the brain. The more we repeat them, the more we start to believe them. Majority of our thoughts are negative and the majority of our thoughts are from yesterday. So mm-hmm. what would it look like if we started implanting these thoughts that are positive and we can carry them on to the next day? And I really like using these affirmations, putting them on sticky notes on my laptop, putting them on the fridge, putting them in the bathroom, and understanding that your mantras can change day to day. And oftentimes I'll make it the back, uh, back on my phone or on my wallpaper on my computer. And I've noticed, you know, I'll repeat these mantras when I'm walking or I remember I was in line at the bank a while ago, pre-COVID, and I had an affirmation on my phone, and the guy behind me saw it, and he showed me his phone, he said, this is my affirmation, and it said, I'm a millionaire. (laughs) I just thought it was the funniest, most beautiful interaction. Banks are usually incredibly silent, really quiet, you don't talk to somebody in line, and I just thought it was so beautiful, that this mentality (laughs) of like, yeah, we can cultivate that, I am that already, I can create this, I can pull this forward. So I just, I love them. I think that they're so empowering. They're so simple. And what I've loved is that that has been our longest standing collection because it resonates with people that we all want to feel certain ways. Like I am rising, I'm beginning, I am whatever it is. We're all trying to call things forward at different times in our life. Uh, So I'm I'm a big fan of the the simplicity of, of using affirmations. I'm really happy that you use the word simplicity because I, growing up, I mean, even through yoga teacher training and through some of my experiences, always associated a mantra with like a mission statement and something that's like 
lots of words, <laughs> like a big thing. And I am enough is so easy to say and to come up with and to sit. I like how you said sit and what do I need today? That's very powerful. That's very powerful. I mean, it's too hard. It's too much for my brain to have to sit down sometimes and journal out all the things that I feel like I need. I am enough is like, or I am worthy. Uh, One of the things that I say to myself often is I matter. I matter. And it's very powerful. And you matter. And I tell people you matter. You matter. I matter. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I know that this there's intention setting and affirmations and meditation, they all kind of go together. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on what is an intention when we set our intentions for the day? What does that look like? Actually, I'm going to frame it almost in in a business mindset, uh, which maybe puts a bit of a a spin on it. There's an urgent and there's the important when you're working, whether you own a business or not. And oftentimes we get so caught up in the urgent and what needs to be done that day, like the phone calls, the emails, we get those quick hits uh, of serotonin. Let me check that list off. And then there's the important, like your health, uh, partnership, uh, finance, like the really big picture. Yeah. And understand the difference between the urgent and the important and shifting it back to the importance, so like the master list of, of what needs to get done and what you need to fulfill. I think that getting clarity on that is similar to setting intention. It's similar to setting goals. It's similar to understanding if I was doing meditation and I met future me five years out, what is she doing? And what do I now need to do to get there? And I don't want to say that intention is like setting a, a key performance indicator or it's like a business yeah. thing. Yeah. But I mean, setting an intention, like if you don't know where you're going, you're just going to like, you know, keep on free flowing. So I think having intention, having a mantra, having an affirmation, having goals, having a vision of where you want to go, it all provides clarity so that we are putting our energy into the right, I want to say there's a right or a wrong, but directing our energy where we want to go. What is that? cliche, you know, where attention mm-hmm. goes, energy flows. So that idea that if we're clear on how we want to feel and how we want to show up and who we want to be, we can start doing those things. Mm-hmm. Much like, you know, we used to get asked about the malas, like, well, this, you know, we, the Moonstone Mala, for example, we've called I'm intuitive. Well, is this bracelet going to actually make me intuitive? Well, I think it, first off, it depends. Do you believe in the power of crystals? I'm not here to, to prove the science of crystals <laughs> to you. Um, but if you look at it and it becomes something you think about more, that becomes the self-fulfilling thing that you're putting energy into. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're typing and you look down and you're like, oh yeah, my intention was to tap into my intuition today or listen to myself more. My intention was patience. My intention was strength. So understanding that having those things top of mind and in your energy field or in your aura or whatever language you want to use allows you to move towards them, but with choice and with awareness and with love. And it's really funny time that you're asking this because we're starting to host int- intention setting nights. I'm hosting one this evening and oh, you are. helping cool. people understand what do I want to let go of? So some of the journaling prompts I'll go through tonight are, you know, what are things I want to shed and let go of? What do I want to welcome in? What intentions do I want to welcome in? What words do I want to welcome in? Mm. 
So it's, it's this, it's this process of shedding and letting go of limiting beliefs and calling in things to get us to that next level, calling in who we want to be calling in that version of our higher self that we can't wait to step into. And I really love that process of, okay, I'm done with this thing now. And it protected me up to this point, but I don't need you anymore. So thank you. Mm. And now I'm ready for, for this. So I don't know, that felt like a really long rambling answer, but I hope that gives some Not at all. No, not at all. And it's really interesting how it's in our conditioning to preserve the decay in our lives and preserve those things that aren't working for us anymore. And we just try to keep, we, we see the potential of something that used to work for us years and years ago, we have evolved yet the process in which we, the skills haven't evolved and we need to let go of them and be curious and pull in something new. It's so interesting how much of our energy we've put into preserving things that aren't working anymore in the hopes that one day, just if I do it enough times, things will change. It's very interesting. Very interesting. And also identifying those things is hard. Mm. I would have a ceremony or woman's night like every year on December 30th night for New Year's. And I have a big chalkboard in my apartment, so I draw a big circle. And all the girls have a piece of chalk. I'm like, okay, write the words outside the circle that you want to let go of. And then we all write down the things that we want to let go of. And write the words in the circle that we want to bring into next year. Okay, we take a few minutes. We talk about, oh, wow, I want to let go of fear. I want to let go of self-judgment. I want to embrace my body. I want to invite self-love. And there'd be so many repeating words. Yeah. And then I'd say, okay. I'm going to grab my champagne bucket and I'm going to grab some pieces of paper and some matches and we're going to write down what we really want to let go, but we're too ashamed to say out loud to each other. And that's when the deep work started that we would, you know, mm. luckily the fire alarm never went off, but mm. we would get into this incredible energy of, okay, here's what I let go of that's actually rooted in deep shame that I couldn't bring myself to write on that chalkboard because it's this thing that like, I, I can't even acknowledge it because it's so deeply embedded in who I am. And so whatever version of, of that that you want to do, you don't have to light stuff on fire, but it is very healing to write it out and let it go. Whether that means like dissolving it in you know, water or just whatever, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. But I think what I have found so curious is there's a level of things that we're open to admitting and there's this deeper level that like takes a bit more coaxing and um you know the the space needs to be helped for us in a really loving way to actually feel okay acknowledging it and then letting it go Mm. very good there's this random story. I'm going on a tangent. Uh, I was on a, a chat in Clubhouse today about grieving the losses that we're experiencing in our in the pandemic. And um, it was a very deep and powerful conversation. Lots of people came up on the stage and like talked about their what's happening in their lives and the grieving and the hardships they've gone through in their lives. And this one woman, she just kept piping up and saying, write it down, write a letter, burn the letter. It's, it's so helpful. Let it all out in the letter, burn the letter. And we're like, I'm like, I'm going to do that. So I, I liked how you said, like, put it in water or, or let it go. However that was, it's, it, there's so many ways to do that. And I, I just wanted to share that little story because that was hilarious. And ceremony, ceremony, like having the burning ceremony or the letting go ceremony is not stupid. <laughs> it's yeah, awesome. No 
No way. Yeah. yeah. It's not voodoo, uh, woo woo crap. It's, it's very powerful. And until you decide to go through these ceremonies, like it's, you have no idea the power. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think it's, it's like when you pick up the book at the right time and then it resonates mm. that people have been telling you to read it for so long. It's like, you'll, you'll do it when it's your time and then you'll feel it. You can't, I can explain what I just explained to you and you're like, oh, that's interesting, but do I want to light stuff on fire? Like, not really. And then when you do it, you're like, oh yeah, 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 I get it. Because you'll do it when it's time for you to do it. So it's, I mean, I never, I never pushed any of these things on people, which is also why I'm very much there's no right and wrong way to meditate. Here's how I can help you approach it. And here's some different, like I like to think of it as like a buffet. There's so many approaches and it's whatever one resonates with you. That doesn't mean if it's a bit uncomfortable, you shouldn't do it. It's that commitment to self to, to get past the discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll find out what ceremony works for you, what meditation works for you, what it, whatever. So do you have a st- solid, steady meditation practice? I have a very solid morning routine. And it includes either sitting meditation, walking meditation, or just like I don't do a meditation that day because yeah. I'm human. Yeah. And some days I don't do it. But my morning routine, I do a gratitude practice every morning. Mm-hmm. And that's that's pretty non-negotiable. I would say definitely five days a week, Monday through Friday, I do it. And I, I try to do it on the weekends as well. Um, but I have noticed that has shifted my mindset drastically yeah. into abundance, into positivity. Mm-hmm. It's shifted my language. And then going into a meditation practice after that is a pretty cool experience. Um, I do, a, I want to say some form, of, some, some form of movement every morning. Mm-hmm. So in the past few months, I've been doing a walk on the sea wall in Vancouver. So along the ocean, listening to guided meditations. So it's not the traditional sitting in my meditation space and meditating. Sometimes I really like evening meditations. Mm-hmm. I really, really am loving right now the walking guided meditations and walking meditation lectures. I think they're so beautiful. But that just like started out of nowhere a couple months ago. I also really love lighting incense and candles and just having my space. So I have a dedicated practice, but it looks different every day. It's not me waking up at 6.30 a.m. sitting on my cushion every day because I don't think that's what my body needs every day. Mm. I have a lot of people that say to me, like, oh, I just can't. Some mornings I'm so anxious I can't do it. Like, I, I get it. The, the way to approach it when you're feeling that way is do something physical. You know, maybe do 20 jumping jacks. Do some yoga. Get that energy out. Yes. And then you can sit. When yes. your energy centers, like, you'll know, like, your chakras are open. You can sit more. You can sit and let that energy flow through you a bit more freely and lovingly. Sometimes a walking meditation will help you. Yes. Sometimes, you know, just standing in the forest will help you. There's there's so many approaches to it that I try to change up my practice and routine just just to see what resonates that day. Yeah, on and purpose. Also a where I just don't like it. <laughs> Fair enough. Where I just don't want to be meditating and my entire practice is, ooh, I don't want to do this today. This is really uncomfortable. And I peek at my, my timer every few minutes. I was like, oh, my God. It's mm-hmm. more than three minutes. It feels like an hour. So <laughs> it, it, it's been 10 years. So I want to say yeah. the reason I share that is because I'm not levitating. I am not in this place of visualizing gardens and visualizing whatever, the cosmos every day. There's days where I have beautiful breakthroughs. 
there's days where I have visions, there's days where I hear voices, and there's days where my leg is asleep and I'm really hungry and that dog outside is driving me nuts. Like, that is <laughs> the experience of it. That's the reality of it. Oh, such a good share with that. And it goes along with that commitment piece. Like we need to give ourselves permission to let it be what it is. And I love that you change things up. I find the same thing for myself and for in all areas, like in movement, I can't do the same workout or style of workout every single day. Like, forget it. I need, I now, uh, in I'm, I'm almost 40 and I do tons of stuff. People are like, do you have a membership there? I'm like, yeah. Do you have a membership there? Yeah, I do all these things like because that's what I need. And I listen to myself and go with the flow of what where my energy needs to be. So I love that you've incorporated that with meditation because it's oftentimes people need to hear that. We need to hear that. So if I'm not sitting on my couch for five minutes or looking at the like putting my head up towards the sun with my, you know, fingers, my fingers and thumb on my knees and, or oming or using the gong or something. Like if I'm not doing that, then I must not be able to do it. I'm not doing it right. And therefore I'm out. It's just, yeah, we really need to hear that. That's very helpful. I'm sure you get a lot of objections around meditation. One of them is I'm too busy. That's, that's what I hear the most. I'm too busy. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's fair. Do you have a solution for that? that. I, I think there's that, that quote, like, if you're too busy, you should meditate twice as long. I mean, like, yeah. okay, sure. But I, I think I'm a big fan of discipline. Mm. And I know discipline has a very negative connotation. I always replace that word with commitment. Mm. And that intention setting and that vision of who you want to be in the future Will it just happen? Or do you need to show up and be committed to your highest self? And in the beginning, meditation can be deeply uncomfortable, as we talked about. You're seeing thoughts that maybe you stayed really busy and didn't have to look at before. But eventually, you get to a place where you're like, oh, I can't wait to go meditate. I get that alone time. It's really special time. It's really Mm -hmm. sacred time. It's a safe space for me to show up and meet myself. And that transition from oh, this is the worst, I don't have time to, I can't wait. You know, being dragged versus being pulled. It only happens if you keep showing up. And I've, I've had a coach that I worked with. He's incredible. He advised five U.S. presidents. He's just an incredible human being. Played in the NBA. He's absolutely fascinating. He runs $11 billion in business. Just the most successful, loving compassionate, aware human. And he was sharing with us the thing that helps CEOs grow. And it was 10, 10, and 10, a really simple morning routine, 10 minutes of gratitude, 10 minutes of reading or listening to a podcast and 10 minutes of reflective writing. And I was like, that's kind of lame. That doesn't feel like a secret. That feels like not the answer at all. (laughs) He's like, well, it's up to you if you want to do it or not. Like, and he didn't say this for his words, but his friend was like, well, I don't care. Do it or don't. The 10, 10, and 10. 10, 10, and 10. 10, 10, and 10. I love it. Yeah. And he says, you know, it's so easy to do, but it's also so easy not to do. <laughs> so when I get the, I'm too busy, I'm like, okay, that's, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me means this is not a priority yet. Right. Because when it's a priority, we'll make it happen. When we want to do something, we'll always make it work. If that means setting your alarm for 10 minutes earlier and meditating from bed, when my teacher calls it meditation, 
which I think is hilarious. Love it. And he's like, what's the worst thing that happens? Mm. You fall back asleep, and that's pretty awesome. It's like you can approach it with lightness. It doesn't need to be this thing that you see in the movies or on TV. Your meditation practice can just be five minutes alone. You know, it doesn't have to be this thing where you have to do it perfectly. And what I notice is we talked about earlier, we're creatures of perfection and we ask a lot of questions wanting to get it right. Every time we ask those questions or have to make a decision, it's one more form of resistance coming up. And I remember being on retreat in India and I was learning tantric yoga. And I think most people think that's about sex because of Sting in his comments, but it's actually a lineage of yoga and meditation. And I really, really wanted to understand it perfectly before I did the meditation. <laughs> and she's like, Ashley, all of these questions is you just avoiding doing it. Mm. Just do it or don't. I don't care, but stop asking questions. I'm like, oh. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the permission to also not do it. Uh, so I think, you know, if you're busy, I get it. And when it's a priority for you, you'll, you'll make the priority. I don't think there's any sense in shaming or guilting people into meditating twice as long. Yeah. It's, it's like when you're in a relationship, it's not great. And only you realize it's time to leave. Uh, you, no one else can tell you. So I, I have mm. compassion and empathy and hold space for people that's there too busy. And when they're ready to change, um, usually those are the people that I like to work with. Mm. The people that are ready to step up into the potential, who are curious about purpose, but also willing to do the work. Because there's the victim mindset. And then there's the people who are like, yeah, I'm here now. I'm ready to do the work. I'm stepping up into it. Because it does take work. It is uncomfortable. And if you're okay with that, then let's do it. Very good advice. Okay. I can't believe that our time is almost over. I do have some interesting questions I like to ask my guests before we say goodbye. I've added one for you. You have a, you're special. <laughs> you have one additional question and I'll start with it. What does alignment, being in alignment, feel like to you? Oh, that is a good question. I feel like I'm discovering it right now. So I'm digging that timing of that question. Cool. I feel significantly lighter. Far more in gratitude and almost like things just can't get under my skin. Like things just don't, I still worry about things and I'm still like, that's a bit stressful, but not, I'm no longer shaken to my core. Mm. I feel rooted and grounded in who I am and aligned to something bigger than me and a higher purpose and a higher calling. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of that is being directly aligned by values. And I think a lot of people don't know their values. I, I've mm-hmm. done a lot of work on understand my values and now, okay, th- that's how I'm living. Like, uh, I know, you know, we're almost out of time, but I'm going to give you a quick example. Please. Years ago, we were scaling after Lululemon, uh, Lululemon collaboration and my version of success was kind of everybody else's version of success. A really cool office, a whole, like a big team, getting organic food delivery, green smoothies, puppies could come visit the office. Like I want yeah. to be hip and cool. And I walked into the office one day. I was like, oh, I hate this. This isn't fun for me at all. My soul, my spirit just like resisted all of it. Mm-hmm. And I realized it's because I was chasing everybody else's version of success. And my version of success was time. And I really value my time. And I really love this business because I get to learn meditation, teach meditation, get curious and travel and learn these different traditions and tools. And so I said to my team, I think we should go remote. This is about four years ago. And the next day, my girlfriend came into the office and I love your office. I said, great. You can take the loose if you want. And she took over the office. Get out of here. A month later, we were a remote business. 
And that, like, when you are in alignment and you know your values and you know your version of success and your why, what you're chasing, like, it just, it will flow for you. But there's a lot of resistance that comes up as well. Because, again, four years ago, being a remote business wasn't cool. Right. The amount of people that said to me, ooh, are you going remote because your business is going under? Ooh, that must be really painful that you guys aren't successful. Ooh, why would you? And these voices of fear kept coming up. I was like, nope, this is my alignment. This is my values. This is what I want my life to look like. And the joy that came out of that change of living in alignment of my values and my version of success and my why was, it was night and day. It was like I was a different human. It was unbelievable. That's a very powerful story. Thanks for sharing that. That's very cool. I have awesome, 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 awesome. Okay. Next question. If you could be known for one thing, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. So many things are coming to mind. I really hope that people think I'm funny because I like to think I'm funny, but I'm usually the only person <laughs> laughing at my jokes, or at least the first and the loudest. That's um, the best. I mean, <laughs> I, I hope that I'm known for helping people discover their enoughness and, and mm. to understand that they are already that. Mm. Um, knowing that that was such a struggle for me for so many years, I really, I don't want people to feel those things that I felt and really want to help people understand that um, they don't have to go through that alone. And it is the human experience. So normalizing the normalizing that feeling. Mm, so good. What does the world need more of? Uh, that's my, that's my Oprah Winfrey so question. <laughs> I feel like what is that song? Love. I'm not going to try and sing it. Um, oh, that's such a nice question. I want to say mindfulness or self-awareness that mm. that, you know, there's so many of those quotes around like be the change that you want to see. And we're launching a kid's line, uh, which I'm so excited about. And the Dalai Lama has this beautiful quote. If every eight year old was taught meditation or mindfulness, violence would be eradicated in one generation. Mm. And I think that this ability to sit with ourselves, even when it's uncomfortable and to know ourselves, so maybe, you know, I wish that people would learn to come back to themselves without avoidance and to embrace that version of who they are and have more compassion for self. Love it. Okay. My last question is where do we find more of you? How can we work with you? How can we experience more of you and continue this conversation outside of the podcast? Instagram handle and yeah. we're a small team so we read every message so please please reach out I, I love hearing from you guys and I have as I mentioned earlier started coaching and working with people in finding purpose some of them are starting businesses or wanting to scale businesses and a lot of people are looking for purpose and service and self-love so I'm I can't explain how fulfilled I feel in that work it is just an absolute gift um, so please reach out my website's ashleyray.co or I'm sure you'll link the Instagram, but actually underscore underscore Ray. And um, yeah, I really, really love hearing from people. It is so beautiful. I read every single message I receive. It is um, so humbling and so beautiful to know that pushing through all those fears and self-limiting beliefs has uh, empowered so many other people to do the same. That if I had given up, it would have, those, those messages would never exist. So I'm, I'm just in awe all the time. It keeps me going. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing space with us today and your incredible wisdom. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for holding space. Your questions were very thoughtful. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. All right. I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. Wow. That just flew by, didn't it? If you want more, head over to elisaunfiltered.com for show notes and all the links from today's show. And if you're looking for a new crew of body love, self-care, and confidence builders like yourself, be sure to join my exclusive community of movers and shakers over on Facebook. The link is waiting for you at elisaunfiltered.com. 